You, and I assume all of you, live in the United Kingdom. But the kingdom of God lives in you. The kingdom of God lives in you. And Paul spoke of that kingdom and said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not about external things, material things. It's about something of the deposit of God that's in you. And those things that Paul spoke of, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, they don't belong only in this room. They belong in the world where God has placed you. See, righteousness is a right relationship with God expressed in right living in community. It's about community. It's about bringing, in the words of that song that we sang, bringing something of heaven to the earth. And the primary vehicle of that happening is you. Sometimes we think, well, we'll go to church on Sunday and sing some nice songs and maybe God will show himself majestic in the room. Well, he always does. But there is another dimension to the expression of the kingdom and it's what we carry into the world through right living, coming from right relationship. Not self-righteousness, but right relationship producing right action. It means that we live together with peace. In that prophetic word, there was reference to unity. And peace and unity are very much closely allied. Peace and unity. Jesus said this, that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. So the manifestation of the kingdom is through our together relationships, how we live together, how we serve together, how we do life together, not only how we do church, but how we take the life of God into community. It's what God has called us to do. And joy in the Holy Ghost. How many like joy in the Holy Ghost? Well, it's a wonderful thing. And those three or four who enjoy it, let me encourage you to share it with others because it's a wonderful thing. And it's the power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that will transform the world in our day as he has done in other days. It's not just one thing. It's all of God's people working together in a powerful expression of the kingdom that is in you being expressed in the world where we live. You might think, well, that's uh, an optional, like, like on a motor car, you can have an optional extra. I think I'll t tick the box or not. No, you can't. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is not an optional extra. Jesus' love for all people has been commuted to you. You have that love, whether you know it or not. If you are connected to God, his love is in your heart. And that love for God is expressed in love for people. So I pray that you'll be transformed by what we've sung today and encouraged by the prophetic word. I was talking to my mum probably a decade ago. I was visiting her in the town where she lives, the city where she lives. And uh, we were watching something on television together and there were a whole bunch of old people talking about their recipe for long life. How come you got to live so long was the question. Well, I never smoked. I never drank. I exercised every day. All these people had their recipes for long life. And I said to my mum, what's your recipe? How come you've lived so long? She said, well, I just keep breathing. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Keep breathing. At least this morning. Keep 
breathing. And there's something profound in that because breathing is a, is a discipline that is as old as humankind itself. Our very first father breathed. And he started to live when he started to breathe. Come with me to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And these are the words that we read in that verse. And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground. So, so God by his hand made man from dust. God's hand came upon the dust and he formed him into a shape, a manly shape probably like me, the shape like that. But then something else happened. All of creation had taken, part, taken place before this, but this was unique, this was special. This was a special act of God in creation, the last and the finest thing. This was the creation that would carry his image. This would be the part of creation that would reveal him and know him and display him in the world. And then the next part of the verse says this, he made him from the dust, he formed him by his hand, and then he breathed into him. And man started to live. So the life of man is connected to the breath of God. And I want to suggest to you today that there is something about the breath of God that we need to position ourselves to capture. We can talk about breathing because we all do it. I can guarantee you wouldn't be here if you were not breathing. But not all of us breathe deeply. Do you ever notice that? Most people breathe. We don't even have to think about it. God's made our brain in such a way that it's just a natural thing that just happens as a normal reflex of life. And as we breathe, we continue to live. But mostly the breathing is very shallow. We just breathe in the top half of our lungs. And in the top half of our lungs, we, we breathe, unless you're an athlete or you deliberately concentrate on breathing deeply. And when you concentrate on breathing deeply, you take breath into the lower part of your lungs. It's actually very good for you. Try it now. The sound of breathing. And you're taking oxygen into the lower part of your lungs. And it's that part of your lung that will become infected, usually in old age or in sickness. It's that part of your lung that can easily get sick. Why? Because it's not used that much. And it's that part of your lung that can carry sickness because it's not well used and not often oxygenated. So let me encourage you, if there are doctors here, they might say amen, learn to breathe deeply. You don't have to run 10 miles or 5 or 1 or 2, but you should breathe deeply. But I want to transfer that as a principle of the spirit, that you need to breathe deeply of God. I understand that from time to time, God visits us in a significantly powerful way. Perhaps last Sunday was that day for you. And it's like taking a breath and not breathing again until God shows up again. And what we're doing is just taking a gulp of air that will get us through to the next moment when that is not the reality God has planned for you. He wants you to breathe him in so that you will continue to live not just the natural life, but the spiritual life with power and the dynamism of the spirit. God has that planned for you. The breath of God is significantly important. And I want to encourage you today to become deep spiritual breathers, that you intentionally breathe in of the spirit so that your spirit is continually revived and continually animated by the things of God. 
Not that you have an oasis from Sunday to Sunday and live in a desert the rest of the week. God wants you to live in a continually blooming place, but it will be made so by the decisions that you take. And if the decisions you take are to keep on breathing God, keep on positioning yourself where the breath of God comes into you, then your life will begin to flourish in a way that it hasn't before. The breath of God. Can I suggest to you that you only really live by the breath of God? But you're only really rescued by the breath of God. In the book of Exodus, there's some amazing stories. And Moses tells this story. And if you're following in your Bible, come with me to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And Moses now, after the event, is singing a song. And he's singing a song of deliverance. He's, he's singing this song. I'd, I'd love to sing it for you, but I don't know the tune. And, and the song that he sang was about the deliverance of God, what God did for them. Little as we've done today, we're singing of the goodness of God. We're singing how we've discovered him, how wonderful he is. And Moses did the same thing. And the part of the song that he was singing and that I want to mention today is this verse 10. And he's singing of their exodus from Egypt. He's talking about that moment of, of being wedged between a pursuing army and, and the Red Sea, that moment of sure destruction. But then, as we know, God intervened. And he said this, You blew your breath. You blew your breath. You blew your breath. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead. In the mighty waters. See, there are moments in life when you need the breath of God to deliver you. And some people over history, and maybe even in this room, and maybe online, there are people today around the world that find themselves in a similar place, a pursuing army. They find themselves no way forward. They found themselves wedged in this place where there is no escape. But I want to tell you, people will testify of the breath of God that makes a way where there is no way. He will open a water. He will open a door. He will open a pathway. He will create a way of escape by his breath. God breathes into situations and one breath from heaven changes everything. How many have discovered that in their own life? One breath from heaven changes everything. The atmosphere changes. The room changes. Everything changes when one breath from heaven came. Can you imagine Moses standing there? It's going to be okay, folks. There's only three million of us. We haven't got any weapons. These, this army's going to come and kill us. If we go forward, we drown. If we stay here, we die. But it's going to be okay because God is going to breathe. And God breathed and the waters of the Red Sea parted and they walked through. And then when the Egyptians sought to follow, the waters came in and the pursuing army, the destroyer, was destroyed. That's what the breath of God does. In one breath. Everything changes. How many are up for the breath of God today? For something to change in your world that will transform who you are and how you live and how you minister in the world where you are. One breath. Let's move on. As we come into the New Testament, and if you're following, come with me to Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Mark, that one. There's only one really, isn't there? Mark. Mark. Chapter 15, and this is the story that we often read at Easter time. Mark chapter 15, verse 37. Mark 15, 37. And it says this, this is, this is Jesus on the cross. 
We'll contemplate this more in no doubt a few weeks when, when Easter comes along. But it says this, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. Jesus breathed his last. Aren't you glad Jesus breathed his last? You wouldn't be saved unless he did. You wouldn't have peace with God unless he did. You wouldn't have the joy in your life and the fellowship of the company of God's people. You wouldn't live the life that you live unless Jesus breathed his last. Thank you, Jesus, for breathing your last for me. There on the cross as Jesus hung for all of humankind, many of whom, most of whom, don't know what Jesus did for them, but he's raised up a a group of people called the church who will be the people who will take the knowledge of the one true God and his love for all people to the world in which we live. That's why we don't want to take argument That's why we don't want to take strife. We want to take love and joy and peace and manifest those through our together life. Jesus breathed his last. And then something happened. The temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. All of these things start to happen. I won't take the time to talk about them all. But when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, truly, this is the Son of God. Manifestations, when Jesus breathed his last, one breath changed everything. A Roman, intent on killing and domineering nations, suddenly saw the Son of God when he'd seen a criminal before. Things change when God breathes. Rocks began to split Dead people began to live. When Jesus breathed his last, something began to change. We want to position ourselves as the people of God right here in one church to be people who who experience the continual breathing of God. Is that you? Or am I talking to foreigners today? We all want the same thing. We want the breath of God and we want to be the people of God animated by his breath and carrying his breath to our world. Let's move on. Come with me to John chapter 20. Really powerful verse. John chapter 20. This is now post-resurrection, the day of Jesus' resurrection. He's died on the cross. He's been in the ground. He's been in the tomb. Now, the third day, he's alive. Somebody's probably saying amen about there. Jesus has been in the, on the grave. He's been in the grave. He's now alive, and somebody's about to say Good, good, good. That's it. That's it. And then Jesus came into the locked room where these disciples were on the Sunday evening, if you will, of the day of resurrection, Easter Sunday. These people knew he he was alive, but they were afraid. So they came into a, a room with locked doors. And suddenly, John writes, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. He spoke to them and said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So you're sent. You are sent. You are sent. You do not have the luxury to come to church. You have the privilege to be sent into your world, your home, your workplace, your school, your university, wherever it is that you are, you are sent. And he goes on, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here is this moment of transformation for these disciples when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you what he did. You're safe. We had pizza last night, so... No, 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 not, not true. But he breathed on them. Jesus stood exactly as the Father had done with Adam years before, having fashioned him with his hand, 
Having made him for relationship, he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. And now in that fallen creation, Jesus having redeemed it at the cross and risen again, he stood before these people who represented all of humankind and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And something was immediately transferred from heaven to earth in the hearts and lives of these people. These people who locked the doors for fear now found themselves empowered and living in a way that they'd not lived before. How would you like to live like that? With the breath of God, taking away the issues of fear and guilt and and, and bad conscience and all those things that people wrestle with and, and find themselves breathed upon by God by the breath of the Spirit and empowered to carry the Spirit into the world where we live. Today we come and we open God's Word, the Bible, and we know that the Bible says of itself that it is God-breathed. This Word, this Word, God breathed on it, and it carries the breath of God. I want to encourage you. Learn to love your Bible. Learn to love the Word of God. Don't live from Oasis Sunday to Oasis the next Sunday. Learn to have a revival in your heart. And you won't have it unless you learn to take this God-breathed instrument that God has given to us and that we learn to expose our spirit to the God-breathed Word. And it's one of the ways that the breath of God continues to come into you as his thoughts and his words are imbibed to your life. That you listen to it read, that you read it yourself, that you celebrate it through preaching, that the life of God is communicated to your life through his word. If you feel that you're distant from God today, you need his breath. You don't need my breath from last night's meal. You don't need the stale breath of your friend or your husband or your wife. You don't need that. You need the breath of heaven. Because one breath changes everything. One breath opens up a red sea of deliverance. One breath brings revelation, this is the Christ. One breath splits rocks, causes seismic shift in places and conditions that set people free. One breath. And one breath can fill you with a sense of purpose, a sense of understanding your new identity in Christ and fill you with his power. And so that with his power, you live the life that he designed for you to live and that you live a life in the world that he wants you to live. A life that will transform not only you, but those around you. One breath. Not a Bible college course. That won't hurt. Not not learning all of the patterns of behaviour through, through church. and so, That won't hurt. But one breath will change everything. Just one breath. Ash is going to come back to the stage in just a moment and play. I know he's gone the other way. <laughs> Probably forgot where the stage is. But he's coming right back now. Terrible when you lose your sense of direction. (laughs) It's an awful thing, but some people live that way. For them, up is down and down is up. In is out and out is in. But when the breath of God comes, when the breath of God comes, Ash, when the breath of God comes, you walk the right way.
bow your heads with me, please. Right across the room, bow your heads. Please close your eyes if you're not used to doing that. Online, wherever you are in the world, and it's a big world, but there are people from around the world that are virtually in our room today. We encourage you to do the same thing. Right where you are in your place, close your eyes, bow your heads. In a lounge room, in a cafe, in a car, wherever you are, in a bedroom, wherever you are. Spirit of God, today, we value the breath of God. For without the breath of God, we are just a man or a woman, a young person. We have been made for the touch of God, but we don't fully receive the touch of God. For there is no life in us to know it. And so I pray, Lord, for those that are feeling that sense of desensitisation, that sense of being disconnected and distant, I pray the breath of God will come as they position themselves with humility to say, I cannot do this, but he can. Those who are facing an army behind and an ocean before, he can make a way. One breath will do it. Those that are struggling to say, is this the Son of God? One breath will change. Surely this is the Son of God. One breath, one breath, one breath. Jesus came into a a place otherwise impossible to enter. And He breathed on them. He breathed on them. This representative body of fallen humanity This group of people who had known the literal, physical, material breath of God to live, to exist in this world. God breathed through His Son on them so that they could live and and exist and minister in the world of the Spirit. To take God's life in the spiritual realm that would overflow into the natural realm so that blind eyes would see, deaf ears would hear, so that legs and hands would work again broken bodies broken relationships broken ministries restored by the breath of God so right across the room let me encourage you today position yourself to receive that breath of God in a moment's time in a few moments time the praying team the prayer team They're going to be positioned right over here on my right-hand side. They're going to come while the last song is being sung. They're going to come, members of the prayer team. They're going to come in faith, believing that there will be people in this congregation today that will respond not to the words that I've spoken, but to the words that the Spirit of God has brought to hearts and lives in this room. That you facing what you face will have sufficient humility and sufficient faith to respond and say, I cannot do this myself, but I know that he can. Humility to say that I can't, faith to say he can. And step into the, a space where you position yourself to receive the breath of God. You want to be a living soul? You want to be somebody who relates to God always, regularly, consistently? Position yourself for his breath. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll honour your word. I pray you glorify your son. I pray you release your spirit 
to deal with every matter that is carried in the lives and hearts of your people in the room today. Be glorified today in answered prayer and we give you all the glory, all the glory. And everybody said, Amen.